0: Well, Merry Christmas. Our scripture reading this morning is going to come from Psalm 80. I'll be reading verses 1 through 7 and 17 through 19. I know your bulletin starts at 12, but I'm actually going to start at 17. I invite you to hear God's word speaking to you this morning. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. You who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, How long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors, our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved but let your hand be upon the one at your right hand the one whom you made strong for yourself then we will never turn back from you give us life and we will call on your name restore us O lord god of hosts let your face shine that we might be saved the word of the lord thanks be to god let's pray O god once more we place our lives before your word and ask that you might speak. Amen. A few weeks back, my four-year-old daughter asked me, why can't I see God? Where is God? Have you ever asked that question, where is God? Has God ever felt absent to you? I remember the first time that I asked that question, I was a 12-year-old kid and I had recently moved down from Northern California to Southern California and I was having a hard time making friends. And after about a year at my new school, I was so excited that I had finally made two friends. Until one day I got a sad phone call that one of those friends had committed suicide. He was 12. And I remember sitting at the church at his funeral, wondering how that could have happened. And I remember asking the question, where is God? It's a question that many of us have asked. Perhaps you're asking it right now. Many folks look at the state of our country in the political climate and they might ask that question, where is God? Or they look at the suffering around the world and ask, where is God? Or perhaps you're experiencing your own personal darkness and you're wondering, where is God? Is there trouble in your marriage? trouble with your kids are you experiencing pain and brokenness in your relationships maybe you're feeling profound loneliness especially this time of year where is god is your mental health spiraling down what about your physical health Are you slowly watching a loved one get sicker? Where is God? Are you struggling with a secret addiction? Are things falling apart at work? Are you having a hard time making ends meet? Where is God? If you're asking that question, or if you have ever asked that question in your life, I can assure you that you're not the first. Even some of the most spiritual people in history have felt the absence of God. In a letter to one of her confidants, Mother Teresa wrote about her faith in Christ when she started working in Calcutta. She said, The silence and the emptiness is so great. Mother Teresa. Based on his writings, the reformer Martin Luther seemed to struggle with doubt and depression and anger, especially after his 13-year-old daughter died in his arms. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, If a man says, oh, I never doubt, then it's time for us to doubt that man. Even Jesus on the cross proclaimed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Asking the question, Where is God, is not inherently wrong or evil, and it doesn't mean that you lack faith. In fact, the road to God begins by asking, Where is God? And especially when that question is asked in the form of a prayer. Psalm 80 is a prayer that deals with this very question. John Calvin called Psalm 80 a prayer of sorrow. But the sorrow has to do with coming from a place of feeling the absence of God. Like many of the Psalms, scholars are uncertain of the historical context and setting of Psalm 80. Because the psalmist names Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh, some scholars believe that this prayer came out of the last years of the northern kingdom in the 8th century BCE. Other scholars think this prayer came out of a time of exile sometime in the 6th century. The truth is we do not know what the context of this psalm was, but we know enough that they were feeling the absence of God. And yet they pray. The psalmist says in verse 2, stir up your might and come save us. The message translation puts it this way, God, get out of bed. You've slept long enough. And the refrain of this prayer, which is more like a song, says, restore us, O God, let your face shine that we might be saved. And it's repeated in verse 3, verse 7, and verse 19. Asking for God's face to shine is actually a request for the presence of God. In Hebrew, you can actually translate the word face as presence. They are interchangeable. So another way to read this chorus would be, Restore us, O God, and let your saving presence be known. Whenever we say the Hebrew blessing from Numbers chapter 6, the Lord make his face to shine upon you, we're asking God to make his presence known in your life. Psalm 80 is a prayer asking God to come and be with us. When the psalmist says in verse 5 that God has fed the people with bread of tears, not only do the people feel like they've been, get a, been given a steady diet of sorrow, but the phrase bread of tears is actually alluding to the absence of God. Exodus 25 talks about the bread of the presence, or what rabbis call the bread of the face. And the bread of the face referred to bread that was in the temple at all times to remind the people of the presence of God, the face of God. Instead of being fed with the bread of the face, the bread of God's presence, the people have been fed with the bread of tears, the bread of God's absence. And so they pray. Restore us, O oh God, let your face shine that we might be saved. This plea for restoration is a request for a reversal of fortunes, an undoing of a, the evil that has happened in their lives. Whatever sorrow or tragedy they have experienced, they're asking God To reverse their situation, bring restoration and healing. But restoration isn't just about improving your circumstances. In the Bible, restoration is a relational word, it means to return. Restoration has to do with a broken relationship being healed. A literal translation would be, Oh God, cause us to turn or return. The people are asking God to return. God, get out of bed. You've slept long enough. While at the same time, they're asking God to change the state of their hearts. Turn our hearts to you. It's a plea for a restored relationship on both sides, both parties. If you look at verse 18, after asking for God's hand to be on the people, the psalmist says, then we will never turn back away from you. The implication is that the people had turned away. Restore us, God, and we won't turn away again, which makes sense if you look at verse four. The psalm says, how long will you be angry With your people's prayers, throughout the Old Testament, the anger of God was always manifested when the people turned their back from God. God's anger is never pointless or arbitrary. God gets mad when we turn our back on him and start harming each other. That's what God gets mad at. God hates violence. God hates injustice. God hates oppression. Psalm 80 is a prayer asking for the saving presence of God, and it's a prayer asking God to turn our hearts, transform our hearts toward you. Restore us. Turn us toward you. When we honestly ask God, where are you? What we're really saying is we want you here. Whenever my wife calls me and says, where are you? (laughs) The implication is that I'm in the wrong place. And I should be at home doing what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) Preach it. Where are you? Because we want you here. And that's exactly the kind of prayer we need to pray whenever we feel the absence of God. Oh God, please come, let your face shine. In the Christian tradition, Psalm 80 is an Advent psalm, a prayer we recite leading up to Christmas. And the message of Christmas is God's resounding answer to the question, where are you? Speaking about the coming of Christ, Matthew chapter 1 says, All of this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Israel prays, God, where are you? And God answers, Emmanuel. I have come to be with you. In C.S. Lewis's classic tale The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, four siblings, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy enter into a magical land called Narnia through an old wardrobe. Narnia is this beautiful world filled with mountains and trees and streams and a place where animals can talk and mythical creatures exist like centaurs and fauns and dwarves. However, all is not right in Narnia when the four siblings arrive. For the last 100 years, Narnia has been under the curse of the evil white witch who makes Narnia always winter but never Christmas. Her dark power is an oppressive force that makes innocent Narnians live in constant fear and torment. But while in Narnia, the four children come across Mr. Beaver, a friendly creature who not only helps them in their quest, but also informs them of a prophecy about the magnificent lion, Aslan. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he bears his teeth, winter meets its death, and when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. Although it's winter, Mr. Beaver tells the children of one very important fact: Aslan is on the move. Meaning Aslan is coming back to Narnia. Now, if you don't know who Aslan is, I'm seriously concerned about the well-being of your childhood. (laughs) Aslan is a magnificent, powerful lion, and he is the rightful ruler of Narnia. And when he comes back to Narnia, just with his very presence, the power of the white witch starts to fade. The Narnians are filled with hope and courage to fight, and winter finally comes to an end. When we ask, where is God? The scriptures teach us to look to Christ, Emmanuel. As Paul says, Jesus is the visible image Of the invisible God. Why can't I see God? You can. It's Jesus Christ. And that is the message of Christmas. Jesus is on the move. Of course, there are times when it feels dark, when God still feels absent. But, friends, things are not always what they seem. Jesus said, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. And sometimes that illusion of absence is a part of the faith journey. But we're never really alone. The Spanish mystic St. John of the Cross in the 16th century coined the term, the dark night. Referring to seasons of faith when God seems absent. He wrote a poem saying, O guiding night, O night more lovely than the dawn, O night that has united the lover with his beloved, transforming the beloved, the night is a part of the transformation process, building in us faith and character and endurance, and most importantly, the capacity to love. Some of the people who have experienced the most suffering in their life are often some of the most loving people you've ever met. We may feel lost at times, but we are never lost in the eyes of God. And even though we may walk through the darkest valley, he is with us. The greatest gift of Christmas is the gift of salvation. That God, while on a throne, humbled himself and put on flesh. We use the term incarnation. And he came into this world. This is what makes Christianity different from all other religions. He came into this world to show us what it means to treat each other well. What it means to be human. What it means to love. And he died on a cross for the forgiveness of sins. Only to be raised again back to life three days later. Giving us hope. Giving us blessing. The simple message of the gospel, friends, is three words. We get God. But like every gift, we have to choose to receive it. You have to be willing to accept it. You can't earn it. You can't unearn it. It is simply grace if you're longing for the presence of God in your life and the joy and the peace and the hope that he brings, then I say to you, turn to Christ this Christmas. If you've wandered or you feel lost, I say to you, return to Christ this Christmas. Accept his love and his grace for you. It is the greatest gift you will ever receive. And we receive God through faith. Through prayer, through community, through learning to serve, through learning to love. I can tell you, as much as you want God in your life, God wants you even more. He's literally dying to love you. Where is God? Emmanuel. Let us pray. God, we are so grateful and thankful for the gift of salvation. And in this moment, Lord, I do want to pray for anyone who feels like they're in the darkness right now. Anyone who feels like you are absent right now. I pray for them. And I ask, God, that your face would shine upon them, that you would turn their heart towards you and restore a broken relationship. Lord, we pray that you would bring healing that only you can bring. We love you and we thank you. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.